Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Oftentimes, God will choose to use His divine providence to move in our lives as He arranges the circumstances of our lives. And He does that because He knows best what's best for us. Certainly He could do it in the miraculous, but think about this. If God would have done this in the realm of the miracle, it would have kind of not been as exciting. It would have just kind of, we would have just, maybe the book of Esther would have only been three or four chapters. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Esther. Many times in our lives, it can seem as though God is merely reacting to situations that pop up. While these situations in our lives might catch us off guard, it's important we remember that God knows all. In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches us how God often orchestrates the environments in our lives as well as the outcome. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Esther chapter 10 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Doesn't Romans 8.28 still apply to us? By the way, we're going to be talking about this on uh, uh, Sunday in Ephesians chapter 1. So, uh, where were we here? So, number 35, we're almost uh, done here. Appreciate your patience. So, God equips the Jews with all that they needed in order to be victorious when that day of battle had come upon them. Again, it's an irrevocable edict, but then so too is the new edict that the king has Mordechai with that signet ring issue. And this uh, new edict gives the Jews all that they need to prevail in the battle. And that speaks applicably to our lives as well. God has given us the victory just like he gave them the victory. There are going to be battles in our lives that we're going to have to fight, but God gives us the victory in those battles. We still have to go to battle. It's still going to be a spiritual battle, and it will always be a battle this side of heaven. Number 36, God gave them favor in the eyes of many Persians who were told became Jews because the fear of God had come upon them. They had come to the God of the Jews because of all that God had done for the Jews. It won them to their God. Number 37, God put it on Esther's heart to request that the king hang Haman's ten sons. Remember them? Remember their names? Those were gnarly names, and they all had horrible meanings to them, too. Sinful names, actually. But she had, this was God. She had the ten sons also put the death on the gallows. We talked about how that was just and how that was righteous and actually obedient to the command of God concerning the Amalekites. Number 38 Then God arranged for the Jews to institute a feast to commemorate and celebrate all that God had done for his people, the Jews, which is celebrated 
to this day. In fact, it's coming up in Israel uh, here in a few weeks. Now, it's important to understand that all God did was done in the realm of the providential and not in the realm of the miracle. And I'll explain what I mean by that. God did not intervene by way of the miraculous. He certainly could have in an instant, but he chose not to. Rather, in his sovereignty, he moved in their affairs in every intricate detail of their circumstances providentially. Now, why is that important? Because, and this is where the personal application comes in, it speaks to how Oftentimes, God will choose to use His divine providence to move in our lives as He arranges the circumstances of our lives. And He does that because He knows best what's best for us. Certainly, He could do it in the miraculous. But think about this. If God would have done this in the realm of the miracle, it would have kind of not been as exciting. It would have just kind of, we would have just, maybe the book of Esther would have only been three or four chapters. Haman did this, and God said, uh-uh, <laughs> zap. And he did a miracle, and they were victorious, and they lived happily ever after. You don't have any, any of this that we looked at tonight. Charles Spurgeon said of this, it has been well said that the book of Esther is a record of wonders without a miracle, and therefore, though equally revealing the glory of the Lord, it sets it forth in another fashion from that which is displayed by miraculous power. Did you you catch that? Whether it's God's providence or God working in the realm of the miraculous, He's glorified either way. Sometimes I would venture to say it's more glorious when it's in the realm of the providential as we see with the book of Esther. Now, let me hasten to say, and this is important, please listen to this. And again, we're going to be talking about this maybe a little bit more in depth on uh, Sunday in Ephesians chapter 1, but God never forces His will on us. We're going to be talking about uh, predestination (laughs) on uh, Sunday. I was telling Telling my wife, I said, honey, pray for me. <laughs> we have to talk about, this is a really intense passage of Scripture from verses 3 to verse 14, where Paul mentions twice about how we're predestined. And of course, this has given rise to the doctrine of what's known as Calvinism, the five points of Calvinism, which is a false teaching, by the way. We're going to be talking about that. But God does not force His will upon us. We have our own free will to choose. Never think for a second that God in His sovereignty providentially forces His will on us. God in His sovereignty as only He can without violating man's free will is able to providentially rule over all and overrule all. And He does all without violating our free will. We still have responsibility. Does God predestine those who are going to be saved? Yes. God knows the end from the beginning. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm not going to do Ephesians and Job tonight. I won't do that to you. So <laughs> you have to come on Sunday morning and we'll, we'll tackle that very touchy topic. Okay. Well, anyway, 
God overrules all, rules over all, and he overrules the wickedness and evil of man without violating free will, so as to have it ultimately serve his purpose in the end. Again, God lives outside of time. He sees the end from the beginning. He doesn't live within the confinements of time. Again, Charles Spurgeon said it best this way, there it is. Man is a free agent in what he does, responsible for his actions, and verily guilty when he does wrong. And he will be justly punished too. And if he be lost, the blame will rest with himself alone. But yet there is one who ruleth over all, who without complicity in their sin, makes even the actions of wicked men to subserve his holy and righteous purposes. Boy, Haman is the poster child for that. A wicked man by the name of Haman served God's holy and righteous purposes perfectly. Believe these two truths, Spurgeon says, and you will see them in practical agreement in daily life, though you will not be able to devise a theory for harmonizing them on paper. You know what's really interesting about Spurgeon? I had, because there are those who believe that he was a hardcore Calvinist. I had somebody who is very well versed, a scholar really, uh, when it comes to uh, refuting Calvinism, tell me this. He said, uh, if Charles Spurgeon was alive today, uh, he would not qualify to be the Calvinist of today. Uh, he's, he's, Calvin, well, I'm doing it again. And don't look at your watches. We only got a couple minutes left, so I'm going to move on. I, I, I wonder if even John Calvin would have been a five point uh, Calvinist, like what are uh, five point Calvinists uh, today. If, anyway, let's talk about the typology. Actually, there's a couple of things I want to talk about real quickly, and then we'll uh, bring it to a close. It's amazing. The typology is amazing. In a book that not one time mentions the name of God. Now, uh, I did a, a considerable amount of research on this, and what I found was that while the name of God is not written in the book, we obviously see that the mighty hand of God is throughout the book, and actually it is believed that the name of God does appear in several places by way of what's known as an acrostic. Listen to this. One noted that the name of God is hidden no less than eight times in acrostics in the book of Esther. Four times it appears as an acrostic, the famed tetragrammaton, which is the consonants Y-H-W-H. The Jews don't use vowels. It's irreverent. That's why uh, when you read a, a Jewish writing, it's G underscore D, no O. They don't, they don't use the vowels. So the tetragrammaton is just a big fancy word for Yahweh without vowels. Y-A-H-W-E-H. Or it comes from Yehovah. Y-H-V-H, no E, no O, no A. It appears once as E-H-Y-H or 
I am as at the burning bush. And get this, it also appears, again, in acrostic form, Mashiach in Hebrew, Messiah in Arabic, which is uh, Messiah in acrostic form in the book of Esther in the Hebrew. And Yeshua, which is Jesus, and El Shaddai. Remember our, our study and uh, discussion about El Shaddai, God Almighty, which is where we get the Hebrew sheen today, the abbreviation for the name of God. They all appear in these many forms by way of an acrostic no less than eight times in the book of Esther. Isn't that amazing? Well, before we get into the typology, I I really need to qualify this, and it's really important that you listen to me on this, because uh, sometimes you can take typology a little bit too far, and I'm certainly prone to do that and read too much into it. So I want to clarify what typology is and what typology is not. First, what typology is. Typology is a shadow person thing or event that symbolizes something that's yet future. Whenever we partake together of communion, we always talk about the typology in the Passover and how uh, they, they put the blood on the doorpost in the shape of a cross. It was a foreshadow of that which was to come. And Jesus fulfilled the Passover uh, prophecy that it was a type. Uh, but listen now, please. Th- this is what typology is not. Typology is not an allegorizing of something, making it fictional. This was an actual event. The Passover was an actual event when the angel of death passed over. So when you start talking about typology, please, 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 don't minimize it or even allegorize it and lose the powerful meaning of this actual event. It is only a type that points to something yet future. And certainly in the book of Esther, we have uh, much in the way of typology. I'm going to do this uh, real uh, briefly. I appreciate your your patience. With I just don't want to end the book of Esther. Is that okay? <laughs> so can we just go till about, um, now we won't. Okay, here's one. Queen Vashti, now I know that there are those uh, that disagree with me on this, but I see Queen Vashti as the Gentile bride, not Esther. I see Esther as a type of Israel, because she's a Jew. And I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment. So Vashti is the Gentile bride that's removed before Haman, a type of the Antichrist, is revealed. And so Vashti becomes a picture, and she's a Gentile, not a Jew. So she's a picture of or a type of the church. Now, I've, I've heard a really good explanation as to why uh, some believe that Esther is a type of the bride of Christ, and I see how they get there, and that I guess is um, plausible. But I really do see uh, Esther as uh, a type of Israel because Esther replaces Vashti as queen to the king, just as Israel is restored and reconciled to her king during the tribulation. The church is gone, Vashti removed prior. Haman and Amalekite hated the Jews clearly. Haman is a type of the Antichrist who will have a demonic and satanic hatred 
for the Jews. Haman, of course, sought to annihilate the Jews, just as the Antichrist during the seven-year tribulation will seek to annihilate the Jews. This is interesting. The fast, remember the fast that they had three days? Ended on the third day? It was on the 16th of Nisan. That was the exact day on the Jewish calendar that Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day. That's a type. That's a shadow. Haman's evil plan does not succeed just as God will not allow the Antichrist to prevail. Mordechai, I see Mordechai as a type of the Holy Spirit. And here's how I get there. Mordechai was Esther's adopted father. By the way, this is going to be uh, in Ephesians uh, 1 on Sunday, Lord willing, too, because we're adopted. Not in the sense of a baby being adopted into a family, but uh, like a slave being adopted and becoming a joint heir. Well, we're sealed We're adopted, but we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we have received the spirit of adoption and cry, Abba, Father, Romans 8, verses 15 and 16. Here's another reason why I believe Mordechai is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Mordechai was Esther's guide and counselor, just as the Holy Spirit is our guide and our counselor, our helper, paraclete in the Greek. Uh, This is interesting, back to Haman as a type of the Antichrist. Haman had ten sons. Oh, interesting. The Antichrist will rule over ten kings. Interesting. Mordecai refuses to bow down to Haman. The Jews will refuse to bow down and worship the Antichrist at the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation, three and a half years. Haman and his sons are destroyed in the end. So too will the Antichrist and his ten kings be destroyed in the end. Uh, This is where it gets a little bit interesting. The king has a banquet that lasts seven days. Well, our wedding banquet will be at the end of the seven-year tribulation. If you really get into the, the typology, the feast lasts for seven days, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Now, lastly, the Feast of Purim is instituted. Some believe that Purim is a picture of the millennium. So that's the typology. Now, we're almost done. Not really. No, we are. Uh, (laughs) But before we (laughs) bring it to an end, and I cry, um, I want to point out just some final takeaways. And the first one is that we learn that God is able. I know that's a cliche, and you'll forgive me, but God is able. God can do anything. If God can do this, are you kidding me? God can choreograph the steps of our circumstances and work them for His good and His glory in the end. We also learn, and we talked about this, that no evil plan will prevail. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Uh, This is a very important takeaway when it comes to pride. There's no exception here. And Haman is the perfect example here. Pride will always, only, always, without question, without exception, lead to a fall and ultimate destruction. And with Haman, we saw it very graphically, uh, another proverb that says, if you set a trap for a man, you'll fall into that trap. Boy, did that happen with Haman or what? 
the very gallows that he built for another, he himself was hung on those very gallows. And then lastly, God's mighty hand is at work behind the scenes, even when we don't see it. Especially when we don't see it. He is involved, he is involved in every aspect of our lives, whether they are big or small, and sometimes more so in the very small details that we think are inconsequential to Almighty God, like a parking spot. You know, we we think God's got bigger things to worry about than answering my prayer for a parking spot at Costco Evile, so I don't have to park in like Waimanalo and shuttle to, you know. (laughs) I mean, especially uh, before a holiday. Have you ever tried to find a parking spot at Costco Evile before Thanksgiving or Christmas? Forget about it. (laughs) It ain't going to happen. And so here uh, we pray about, God, can you just get me a, um, you know, a parking spot? And then sure enough, Someone walks up and they look at you, and he want my. I'm leaving. Yes, oh God, praise the Lord, Hallelujah! And he's he's involved in every little detail of your life. Sometimes this 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 is it. I by faith we're going to end this study. So I have um, maybe this will be an encouragement to, to somebody tonight. When we were building this building, there were many little minute details that had come up. And we, 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 of course, had our share of the big issues that we had to uh, deal with. And, of course, those were the ones that you're on your face before God going, Oh, God, <laughs> please, oh, God, you know, you're fasting, you're praying sackcloth and ashes, oh, God. But there were some little details that um, I just brought before the Lord. I said, Lord, I know it's a, it's a little thing, but would you, um, you know, kind of work this out? And he always did. He always does. Never imagine for a moment that you're bothering God or you're you're being a pest about something that is seemingly so inconsequential. Lord, just, you know, I know it's a little thing, but I know that you're intricately involved in the little things too. Uh, How how does that uh, saying go? I'm totally going to botch it already, I can tell, but something to the effect of God is a big God, but He's not too big that He won't answer small prayers. He's a big God, but that doesn't mean He's not going to answer the, the small prayers too. God is in the big, and God is in the small, and He's intricately involved in every detail of our lives. Thanks for being part of our time here today on In Spirit and Truth. We'd love to stay connected with you, so visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com today. You'll find a link to our Twitter page where you can join the conversation and fill your feed with encouragement. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe, if you're in the area. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursday at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website in spiritandtruthradio.com as well as more information about who we are as a community of faith. If you can't join us in person, you can still benefit from Pastor J.D.'s teachings through our online resources at inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
simply click Listen on the top of the page to find a number of previous messages by Pastor J.D. in various books of the Bible. Along with that, we invite you to check out the Mideast Prophecy Update. The Mideast Prophecy Update is a focused look at current events through the lens of prophecy. The Bible has given us clear indications of what's to come, and we can see these events being played out around the world. Join Pastor J.D. each Friday and Saturday for the Mideast Prophecy Update on our YouTube channel, or download our mobile app to have these updates right at your fingertips. Find a link at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. We're so glad you tuned in today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has much more to share from the Old Testament book of Esther when you join us again right here on In Spirit and Truth.